Hey, Rob. Yeah. I've got a joke for you. Okay. Why was Professor Snape unqualified to teach herbology? I don't know, Doug. Why was Professor Snape unqualified to teach herbology? Because no matter how hard he tried, he just couldn't keep lilies alive. Um, I actually really like that joke. (laughs) (laughs) I think my daughter will love it too. (laughs) Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 127 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading Red Dragon by Thomas Harris from the forward to a fatal interview through chapter five before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first? Well, this is the first book to feature Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Eventually. Eventually, eventually. It's much smaller in this book. What was your first experience with Hannibal Lecter? Oh, um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs, the movie, uh, you know, I don't remember when I saw that movie for the first time. I was probably in high school uh, or like middle school. He's he, he I think he, it was that thing where like he's a bit of a boogie. He's a bit of a cultural boogeyman mm-hmm. for, for people my age where you'd hear about him someone would reference him and you'd go, what does that word mean? Help me understand the context of your, of your joke. And they'd go, as eh, sounds of lambs, Hannibal, the cannibal. And you're like, I don't, okay. Doesn't mean anything to me. And then you see the movie and you're like, Oh wow. What a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, you're, you're younger than I. So did you, by the time you were coming to that, had you had all your media been populated with all the parodies and pastiches? I don't know. Because there's always nowadays a genius serial killer behind glass that people. I mean, they're they're even doing that shit in Teen Wolf. The trouble um, is that the question sort of supposes that I would have noticed it was a pastiche or a parody without having not seen necessarily. It in the first place. You could look back and go, "Oh, right, when F. Murray Abraham was in Loaded Weapon One, or when Dom DeLuise was in." Silence of the Hams, or I've, fucking I haven't seen Full any House. Of that. Maybe did a dream episode where they did that, or the critic, or I know that there were things that did references. There were, yeah, but I don't know where they were in relation to my exposure to Hannibal Lecter. So, mm-hmm. um, it, I, I'd say that, and then once, and it, I didn't really think about it that much because I never read the book, and sure. uh, I didn't have. Uh, I think that that movie was a much bigger cultural touchstone for people who were watching it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And much like I imagine the book was for people who saw, who read the book when it was first published or at any point before the film. So for, for me, like once I saw it, it didn't, it wasn't the thing where like I needed to suck my lips every time I was trying to make someone feel uncomfortable um, <laughs> or, or any of that stuff. Sure. Um, and even for me at the time when I saw it, like, I think that even some of the f- stuff that's really revolutionary about that film, like the stuff they do with Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling 
as a female action hero or like like intelligent um protagonist intelligent female protagonist kind of thing sure um, all, even, all the even, go ahead. all the things about her that are that are culturally significant uh felt normalized to me by the time i saw it okay. or, or didn't strike me as like a exception mm-hmm. it was just like cool this character's great let's keep going and and so subsequent things did you see did have you had you have you seen manhunter have you seen red dragon no i haven't seen any of the the only thing i've ever seen of any of those besides silence of the lambs is the uh TV show. Sh- no the shot of ray liotta getting his he- brains eaten yeah i have seen that image right okay um and besides that no nothing else besides the the show the show um for me i was way too young to see it in the theater so of course i got to see it when it immediately came out on video my mom and i rented it and i had not yet had the decades of references and pastiches and parodies so i pretty much got it as pure as i could mm-hmm. and i fell in love that it, it was I mean, I, the first thing I remember loving about it was them showing Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill and showing his face early on. And just because I'd been exposed to so much uh, generic tropes in murder mysteries, I'm like, why are they showing me his face? Uh, he's got to be somebody I've already been introduced to. Is, is that twist is like one of the cops who's doing it or, you, you know, that that classic thing. And I'm like, but he's just a guy. What? And that blew my mind. And then the rest of the movie, I'm just like, oh, this is great. So then I read the book. And then all the subsequent Which books one? I could get my hand. Uh, Did you read Silence of the Lambs? Okay. Read Silence of the Lambs. And then realized there was a prequel where he showed up. And it, back then, I think it was 14 by the time I got to the prequel, I was a little disappointed because he was in it much less than he was in Silence of the Lambs. Um, I've, 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 I've since really grown to love red dragon because i i think it's wonderfully written um spoiler a lot of that's <laughs> a lot of that is actually used in the show we'll talk about that a little bit but not too much because we're here for the book not the show should we talk about the show we can talk about the show should we talk about i think i think i guess what i'm saying is i feel like we need to talk about we need to explain i feel like the the significance of this show for like the significance of Brian Fuller's Hannibal Mm -hmm. in relation to our relationship. Okay. In that, uh, I, uh, I feel like I can ascribe a significant portion to how we became friends to (laughs) discussing this show. That's fair. And so to me, that's there's there's significance there that no one would ever know unless we unless we said so. Well, like, we were we were friends when the show was on air. So like mm-hmm. we were friends when while the show was was happening, and then we would hang out when we'd have to, and <laughs> and there would be it would be a thing we would talk about. This is the most generic way I can put it is we would yeah. just we we were sort of compelled to be in the same area and then in that time when we were compelled <laughs> to be in the same area like inmates. we were we were 
Rob. I mean, it's it's no longer anonymous if we tell people where we were. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, regardless of which substances were involved, a nice <laughs> wow. Chianti, maybe. Doug, Doug knows that's a button for me. We'll get to that eventually. <laughs> Chianti. Um, so <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta move your jock. Chianti. So a weird fucking read. Um, anyway, so like, so we would, we would, that would be a topic of conversation, dear listener, where we would discuss it about the show with each other and talk about stuff in the show as it was coming out and everything. And then eventually, I don't know how this happened, but it, it, I think it's important to say that I think I was catching up and you had already watched up to where it was like live on air, like before yeah. the show was canceled and I was catching up and then I caught up. I think we both got caught up before the last season. And then for some reason we both stopped. I stopped because I, I didn't want the sh- you, yeah, I, I was we, going through a phase of not wanting the show to end. Yeah. You and were I knew denial. if I watched the end, it would be over. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we, I think we both entered into a sense of, into a state of denial with the show where we were like, I mean, I know I was definitely like the same thing you just said. Like if I finish the show, the show's over. Right. I don't want the show. I, I, I do that with many things. I literally haven't seen the last episode of the Colbert Report because I know I will, like, I'm not ready for that time to be over. Right. Um, and right. I, it was, it was, it was available. I could have right. watched it easily. I think I may have DVR'd it at some point and I didn't watch it because I was like, this is not something I can tolerate um, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like, like I can't, I can't handle letting that go. And so that, that same sort of behavior turned itself on into, into the Hannibal TV show. Um, and I, uh, eventually, uh, I know for me, one of the things I did with that show was I, I, okay. So I love that show. You love that show. It's, it's, it's an incredible show. It's, it's, it's a, it's it's gorgeous. It's great. However, they say grand guignol. It's, it can be a little freak of the week sometimes, especially oh. in the early seasons. Sure. But but once they get past that, once they stopped being Smallville, like, then they – it just fucking takes off. Mm-hmm. Like, once Abel Gideon shows up, once you get into this, like, the, 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 the world building of the – all of these different crazy people who all sort of are aware of each other because they happen to attract one another. In and one once you realize nobody is safe. Yes. And then, and then like, it just, it just fucking goes and it's, and there's so many things about it that are so amazing. There's the, like, I don't want to, we don't have to talk about it too much, but it's just no. like, <laughs> it, it truly, it truly is incredible. And, and, uh, we deeply enjoyed it. We would love to see more. <laughs> However, that even, even if it's has to stray from the source material, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That honestly, good. I don't. Yeah. I also think it's interesting. Um, just another note on the show. It's so reverential to the text while also being a complete construct. Right. As you may have already from these few chapters gotten a hint of the show explored things that never even existed in the book and yet took so many elements from the book and just kind of fashioned a new thing. It's amazing. It's kind of like an alchemy. Yeah. It's great. It's, I wish if there's anything that I would love in the world, it's for there to be more of that show. There's a handful of those shows, man. I know, I know we, we differ on these, 
these shows, but like, sure. Uh, like I, I've lived through being a hardcore Arrested Development fan, being a hardcore Firefly fan. I like Firefly. I'm a, I, I, I know that wasn't Firefly the one fan. I was because it's not development. The yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. even. I just can't get into it. It's it's not like a. But that's not the point. The point I is think you're a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the the point is that there are. I've done. I've gone through this canceling shows that are too smart for the audiences that watch television, right. and they're, uh, and them getting canceled, and wishing that there was more of it because it is just such exceptional television. Uh, and Hannibal was one of those those shows that still it still hurts to think that there isn't more of it yet. And I hold out hope. I hold out hope. Anyway. Anyway. Um, but I, re- I, mean, I, I, my, I got, I ended up getting to finish the show because I watched it. I made my dad watch it. Like I had, I sat down with him and I was like, this show is good. <laughs> if you like, just give me a, give me a chance to, to show you how good this show is. Just let's watch maybe two episodes, maybe three and just see, just, just see what I see. <laughs> like. And and maybe maybe your your life will be enriched because of it. I know I feel like mine was. So let's go. And we watched the whole fucking thing. He, as far as I know, he is a little bit more of a, I think a softer stomach than I do. Sure. So it's a harder show for him to watch because of the variety of the ridiculously grotesque uh, imagery and the creativity of it. Well, I guess that's variety, but man, it's pretty show, brutal. And, and it's it's brutal, but but it also was staggering in its creativity. Yeah, and I'm it's like artistry. I'm like I didn't even I never thought of doing that to the human body, <laughs> but it was also delicate. Like that's the crazy that's the that's the disgusting and beautifully poignant thing about the the whole the the success and the achievement that was that show is that show is that that's the people they're trying to depict. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of uh, meticulousness. These people who's these these uh, intelligent psychopaths, these artists who take the human form and reform it in a way that is it's it's artistic it like the angels the praying angels the the cello the uh the the, mushroom farm the beast um like the beast all of these things that that are there Mm -hmm. and and that like they just were i mean listen (laughs) i'm sycophantic i'm i'm uh, I'm effusive, but it's a, it is a tremendous thing, and I'm so grateful that it exists. Um, and and my point really is that this brief microscopic uh, example of the conversation that you and I are having right now is like the many hours we spent talking about this show, and so Very that's true. why it's important to do this to show people like that's where I think that. Uh, that was the mushroom farm of our friendship was, <laughs> was the, the talking about this show and getting into it and like discussing el- elements and like things. Um, and then other things came from there. But uh, so I feel like in, in terms of like, this is, I feel like Hannibal and red dragon thereby is sort of like the uh, secret origins of death readers. Mm-hmm. is hidden inside this book and or, or, or germinates from the seed planted by this book. There we go. And so it's it's imp- it's important for me to acknowledge and be as you said reverential uh and appreciative because 
there it is. You know, it's it wouldn't be with without there would be no right. So, well, as far as I like can tell, look. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the show? Uh, not yet. I'm sure there will be moments that come sure. up. But, sure, 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 but not but, the moment. Okay, well, let us do edition editions. Let's do I, it. I feel like I should go first. I'm, yeah, I'm you should I, go okay. First. So I got a copy of Red Dragon at uh, Goodwill. I don't even know when, but I can tell you that it, it's a, it's a forty fifth edi- printing <laughs> with the, I think with a Red Dragon poster on the cover with mr anthony hopkins and it's a movie tie-in it's a movie yeah and i'm assuming that's uh edward norton i believe that's correct yeah um now a major motion picture from universal pictures and it uh so that's what like 2002 yeah exactly 2002 okay dell movie tie-in slash september 2002 and it mine is actually a i believe it's a sam's club book I'm not sure exactly what this is. There's a sticker on the back that says Sam's 448. Now, either Sam's is a different, uh, like, secondhand store, or this is a Sam's Club thing. I bet it was a Sam's Club, but it I can says see that. SWC. Now, is that Sam Walton Club? Yeah. I don't know. Sam Walton Goggins Club. Mm-hmm. It does say the cover price is $8, but Sam's price is 448 because you I get probably, that Sam's Club discount. I probably paid less. But sure that's my edition. It's a, it's a nice little paperback. It's stained. It's disgusting. It's old. It's well-loved. It's not even that old, but it looks old. Like, it's, it's 19 years, years old. old. <laughs> uh, um, okay, your edition. My edition is the digital one that I bought many years ago for the Kindle. That's cool. about it. Um, has a whole bunch of remember I've talked before how Kindle will aggregate people's highlights and those will be underlined yes and then it has all the things I have previously highlighted as well so I'm like oh right I've been through this before that's fun nice so you have like a you have like a crib note kinda nice I don't have that I have to rely on this old thing my my noggin or, or you could get a highlighter and highlight your book my uh yeah, but I don't have the pre-highlights, Rob. I don't have somebody else telling me, look here. Oh, no, but I mean, there's they, they look different. My, my highlights look different than mm-hmm. the underlined. But you I don't can see the other that. highlights. I can't see any highlights. Oh, fine. You got to clean out your memory palace. Yeah, you've got a, you've got somebody else's long pig brain parts. I don't know. <laughs> you got somebody else's Ray Liotta <laughs> clogging up your screen. I don't know. It's a Kindle. It has a screen. Oh, yeah. Okay. God, I got to spell it out. Sometimes you do. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that one day I will be, I will have to spell it out. And my frustration with spelling it out will result in me being rude. And then you'll fucking eat me. Doug, I would never. Okay. Anyway, do you want to start getting into this actual book? Let's do it. All right. Let's start reading or start discussing. Thomas Harris's Red Dragon. Uh, we're beginning with... Forward to a fatal interview. All right, I'm going to summarize this, but it's... Bear with my summaries on this. It's hard to summarize this book or these chapters. Sure. Um, sure. Forward to a fatal interview summary. 
Uh, Thomas Harris briefly describes his relationship with Hannibal Lecter. He, he gets into the explanation of his writing process for this story, how he kind of started the book and how he, where he went and how he focused on it. He, he says he basically started living in a cabin somewhere and just collecting stray dogs and writing in the night. And, uh, Eventually, his characters got written into a corner where they needed help from someone, and there he was. Hannibal Lecter shows up to be the deus ex doctor, and the rest is uh, history. Do you have any? Did I miss anything in that? That's important. No, that's about it. That's about that's a that's a decent summary of this forward. I do have a note for this section. Do you have okay? Notes? What's your note? My note is just the. That, uh, and it becomes clearer later that I guess uh, Will Graham having a ton of dogs is just what Thomas Harris did. Yep. Yep. Actually, and uh, so my note. First of all, there's a there's a paragraph here that's fantastic, and I have not highlighted, nor has anyone else, which is foolish. Sometimes at night, I would leave the lights on in my little house and walk across the flat fields. When I look back from a distance, the house looked like a boat at sea, and all around me the vast delta night. That's used in the show. Oh, really? And and I can't remember if they actually say that, the boat at night thing, but that whole thing where Will goes out and looks back, it's in the show. And I'm like, he took that from the forward. Um, that just that just fascinates me. Yeah. Um and it's also not the forward I thought it was. Oh. Because there's another forward in some versions of Science of the Lambs where he talks about the person he met that actually inspired dr lecter um which is also very interesting but we're not there yet no so monday maybe we'll get that because it's an interesting story as well okay that's it uh, do you have any more notes in there all right well no. let's advance chapter one yeah there's no titles with these that's fine dogs diesel and duty oh my goodness what that's a title. the alternate title i came up with wow I like I that. that for I like that though. game. You should definitely be doing that for all of them. Crap. That's a little more work you have to do now. All right. Um, all right. Here's a summary. Uh, in, in chapter one, Jack Crawford finds Will Graham, a former FBI behavioral behavioral profilist. I, I don't fucking know what his title is. I forgot. Behavioral behavioral profiler. Behavior profiler. I, I'm not sure either. It's Special a, agent. <laughs> It could literally be, it's just a, it's a hodgepodge of words that mean he profiles crazy people, but he's a profiler who's the only person uh, Crawford trusts to find an intelligent psychopath before they kill again. Graham's wife opposes the idea, but eventually supports Will's decision to go back and work with Jack. We learn that Will has had a violent history with Hannibal Lecter, a history that left Will nearly dead and with a massive abdominal scar. Side notes just for things that I didn't put in there but are revealed in this chapter because that's the tough part about this book. Let's just talk about it now is that the way that these – the thing that's fun about the way this book's written is there's a lot of information you get from the way Thomas Harris describes the world or reactions people have to things. Sure. For example, Will – had, I believe they're married, by the way. Will and Mary. Yes, they, they, they refer to her as Molly something grand. Molly, later. there it is, Molly. I, f- I feel like that was established, but it's that thing where it, it's not like True Grit, where uh, the narrator will say, and and uh, Molly and I were married on this day, and it was right. like this, and this happened. You don't get that sort of de- definitive like reality. You get like Will's take. He sort of just leaves you 
information. He sort of leaves a bit of information and drops it in different spots. Kind of like breadcrumbs where he just, mm-hmm. he just drops something and you're like, oh, I should probably remember that that's that means something store it away. So for example, Molly has a son whose name is Willie. I think so. He's also is, a will. Yeah. Which is very, very close to will, right. but it is not Will's son. Correct. So that that's what I mean. Little things like that are, are there, but like not, as clear it's it's like there's a one line where will or where jack says something like oh he's tall and then will says yeah his father was tall or something like that and you just if you put the pieces together like oh not will's kid weird that he would be named willie but not will's kid right uh they also collect dogs i think at this point is sort of hinted at they have they have strays that sort of live near them they talk about they talk about how he used to be obsessed but he's calmed down from that right but their handle attack happened three years ago Right, but there are plenty of dogs in his. Oh, and Will, uh, Will was a former behavioral as a specialist or F, uh, special agent of some kind for the FBI. Got hurt, stopped working, and now is basically he's almost homeless. Like he, he lives a very austere life in Louisiana. Um, they say Delta, Mississippi. I, I thought Mississippi Delta, but I forget. I'm definitely I'm, in the South. It's in the South, and they they do lots of fishing and they do lots of that kind of stuff. So, uh, it's, it's just a bunch of, it's like the start of the backstory about where Will Graham is in life, where he's coming from, where he's been and where he's going. It's all kind of in this chapter. I have a note on page four. I only have a note about this chapter. So what's your, you should, you should do your note on the chapter. Okay. Um, I just found this of all the versions, Manhunter, Red Dragon, the television show, and even even subsequent books, this seems probably the most realistic. the 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 story seems less exaggerated. The, you know, the reality is not exaggerated, like it is in those other properties. And it just it 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 seems like a more of a hard boiled detective story so far, mm-hmm. but with really great descriptions, yeah, and writing, and things that just make me go, damn. My note, go ahead. Uh, on page four, it's a bit of a long one, so bear with me. Okay. On page four, Jack Crawford notices Will matching another person's speech patterns. Uh, I feel like I do that when I get into emotional arguments or when I get into emotional states. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this is a uniquely me thing; it's just a thing I recognized in myself. Specifically, I can remember uh, it, it occurring very. I would have these episodes, these like flare-ups, if you will. Uh, when I was living at home, when I was living with my parents, that is to say, uh, and I remember having disagreements or arguments with my mom, and she would take this sort of like she would she would turn this tone that was sort of like a pleading, irritated, condescending tone, and she gets this tone a lot, right? But she would take it with me, and and usually it was uh, and again in retrospect it was a thing that i think she would do when she was frustrated and not understanding why i wasn't understanding something that was so clear to her mm-hmm. but it always comes off as that condescending thing when really i think it's just maybe not really i don't know what her exact feelings are on it are but the way i look at it is it was her being frustrated that i was not where she was and that she didn't know how to help me get there except by just being frustrated like that kind of that kind of tone the problem was that i would match it 
like I would bounce it back at her and throw her back the same tone, almost, almost like the Marx Brothers mirror gag. Sure, sure, sure. Were like, you doing it on purpose or no? Was it I think happening it, spontaneously. I think it was reflexive. I think it sure. was a thing where it was just like I'm out of options. I'm. uh, it's a thing Michael Scott does in the office where, Oh sure. This is how you're communicating with me. So clearly I have to communicate like this to you. Michael Scott specifically, he, instead of doing it like that, he will, if, when he reaches the end of his rope with where he's out of options for communication, there's an episode where he reverts to just sarcastically repeating back to the other person, what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So like a, you know, like I think you should leave the room and then, he he mirrors it back at them, and so that's what it was like. But but tonally, like I would still be saying the words, I wouldn't feel, but right. my tone would mirror her tone, and maybe even gently mock. Um, I don't maybe, maybe I don't think that was if, if that if that was perceived, it wasn't intentional. Gotcha. Um, but it was definitely like learning behavior. It was like, listen, if this is how we talk to each other, then I'm going to match you because that's what you're submitting to me is normal. And so if it's good enough for you, it must be good enough for me. And I, I guess I'm learning this is how you talk to people. I don't think it's a great way to talk to people. No. Uh, I don't think it was a thing that she thought about when she did it. Uh, and I, I would, I, I hoped that she would understand like how her tone made me feel in those moments mm-hmm. when she heard it back. But I don't think she really reflected on those conversations the same way I did. And again, in more retrospect, that tone is just her normal it's just how she it's kind of how sure, she sure. talks to people and it's it's i wish she could understand how like frustrating it is because it it really feels like kind of cruel it feels kind of mean mm-hmm. like when you're like how can you not hear yourself like how can you not hear that when you say things like this to people it feels condescending and it feels like you're putting them down mm-hmm. instead of like working together and and once you get that feeling of like someone you care about's putting you down it's hard not to get upset Anyway, so I, I still have that muscle memory to, like, reflect sass or mm-hmm. attitude back at others. And I have to be very conscious about it when I'm having, like, when I'm getting emotional in, in conversations, not to lean into that behavior because it is, it's, it's honestly never successfully f- caused someone to take a chance to self-reflect on their on the way they're speaking it all it automatically because they don't see it so it automatically becomes you did it first then it's like i really didn't like i promise i was literally mimicking you because you set the tone i was mm-hmm. matching you i'm not escalating i'm matching and if matching your tone causes you to escalate maybe you should consider your first tone in in the first place and that's it never works though that's the trouble so the alternative sure. is to speak to people and the way I've, I've worked it is to uh, instead of matching their tone, you go like the polar opposite. You talk to them kind of talk about sounding condescending. You have to talk to them like they're a cornered animal. You have to talk to them like they're an upset dog. Sure. And I don't mean that like in a dehumanizing way or a you're put soothing. down. You're, you're exactly. You are yeah. trying to show how understanding you are. Exactly. So you, you, you say, that's not what I was suggesting, and what I was, uh, what I'd like to reach an understanding on is that we both have needs and we both have standards, and we need to come to an agreement about where those things intersect. And once we do, I think that this 
conflict will end. It will it will resolve itself. And I think the two of us as a unit will be able to progress further and uh, be productive. Or you even go more stern where you say, that's not what I was saying. What I was actually saying was this. And I think it'd be very productive if we could both agree on this subject and sometimes that like there's a little bit of condescension there so it's not really right, exactly everything but the tone is the important part right um the the tone is the part that's supposed to like when they hear that when they hear not being met they don't escalate when they hear the lack of reflection back at them then they can only hear themselves yelling mm-hmm. and i think more than that that speaks louder to people it seems like than bouncing the yelling back but it's taken me a long time to learn that so and, and and that muscle memory of bouncing them, their attitude back at them is still there sure. so it's hard to like turn it off and I have to be really careful of that because i you do when you feel threatened exactly and that and that's yeah. the thing about that tone is it does i don't think it's intentional but it and maybe it is but i'd like to imagine that in this world it's not but it does cause people to become to feel threatened right and i wrote this really nice sentence that i don't know how to work in here organically so i'm just going to read it okay but the sentence says uh I think for people who who do that, so I'll just say like people like my mom. I think it's really difficult for people who are who have that reflexive like attack kind of communication to take a second and, and see themselves as bullets when everyone else they see is a target. Right. And like, because you just when you, when you're at the front of that thing when that's your line of sight is nothing but the people you're trying to hit isn't that isn't that isn't there a famous saying like when you're a hammer everything starts to look like a nail yeah it's exactly what it is it's the same it's the exact same kind of idea but like i don't what i'm saying is these people don't even know their bullets they don't know their hammers they just know that there's someone standing in their way right so anyway that's a the reason this part is in the book is because it's supposed to illustrate this idea that will graham has some sort of preternatural ability to empathize Mm -hmm. with other people with uh he has this way of of tuning into their behavior and then assuming that behavior and sort of becoming it that helps him uniquely do his job well it's interesting too that you you uh locked into that because it made me think of um i did peer counseling in high school and in my twenties, I worked for like an outdoor wilderness therapy program. Ju- you know, it was, it was, it was wilderness juvie. Um, both of those though, we had to learn these communication techniques and they talked about mirroring and matching. But the first place I ever heard about that, um, for, for establishing rapport, mm-hmm. um, to, to mirror on purpose was my mom who mm. has been, you know, police and worked as a dispatcher told me, that it was a technique used in interrogations and you would do this on purpose to establish rapport with people that you were interrogating. And I mean, it's, it's similar, but different, but I mean, that's what it's interesting that will, like you said, does that inherently mm-hmm. like he's not, he's not doing it to get on Jack's. It's just, it's just like his, it's almost like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Well, it's, I think with Will's case, it, it is, it is, that's the thing about defense mechanisms though, is that they, they are reflexive. Like mm-hmm. you can't, it's hard to stop yourself from putting your hands out to catch yourself if you're falling. But you in this I mean? sense, he's, he's not blocking someone off. He's, I want to be in your corner. I'm, I'm putting myself 
in your corner, whoever you right, are. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting, but I think the key there is that it 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 seems like it's involuntary. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's all I got for that chapter. Well, before we move on, I think it's interesting that chapter one we've both talked about our mothers. <laughs> yes, yes, Doctor Lecter. I'm not talking Dr. about Lecter. my mother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. The Thomas Harris he really knows how to get at the heart of the matter, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so then, it, after chapter one comes, chapter two. Here's another summary for you. Having taken Jack up on his offer to investigate this crime, Will investigates the Jacoby's murder scene. He takes note of many details concerning the crime, including that the family's dog is unaccounted for, before traveling to his hotel room where he struggles with immersing himself in the kind of uh, in this kind of psychopath again. He has trouble sleeping, and when he does sleep, it's a brief respite before he wakes in a puddle of cold sweat, imagining one of the victims lying next to him in bed. Eventually, he figures out that the killer touched the victim with their bare hands. I, I think he technically has to say, I think the killer is a male. I think we know that by now. So I'll say his hands. Sure. Real quick, though, it's the Leeds family's house. I'm sorry. It's the, the Leeds family. Jacoby's are, are the first family, but come later. Right. Um, thank you. I, I may need more correction on that because That's I've fine. mixed them up. All right. I do have a note on page 19. Okay. My pages aren't the same way, but what's your note? Mm. Uh, my note is a little, like, it's a little snide observation that it just feels like a little bit on the nose that red fingerprint powder is called dragon's blood. Yeah, but maybe that's a real thing, too. It could be. I Googled it, and I didn't find anything. Well, but I mean, it's it also the fingerprint powder they were using in 80 or 81. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, you, it could be. You're right. It absolutely could just be on the nose. Feels very on the nose. God, I really like this line. He didn't want a face aimed at him all the time. When was that? When the murder? No, um, no. Graham didn't want oh. anyone else in the house with him. Ah, see, I, I, th- I couldn't remember. I thought you were referencing when the murderer made an audience to watch him. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, so okay. No. So, but, yeah, yeah. but just it's just that Thomas Harris. Yes. 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 Uh, vocab or not vocab, but just way of speaking. His his syntax. Pattern, his syntax is great. Uh, also, um. This is the the pendulum shows up. Not to Did keep it. calling. Yeah, in his mind, a silver pendulum swung in the darkness. He waited until the pendulum was still. What page? Uh, or... The first. Uh, for me, it's the first page of chapter two. It's in the paragraph, the two story brick home. Oh wow! So like even that was incorporated. I, I, I I'm I'm always fascinated just the little tidbits that show. Brian up. Fuller's amazing. Brian Fuller's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh... The line about justifying himself to the silent house. I, I like how this guy writes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because like, I think that it's it's a, I'm waiting to be the judge on this. But I think it's I, uh, I'm interested to see if it's the way he writes or if the way he writes this character. True. And I feel like that's a Those are very specific but important distinctions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't remember just liking chunks of the other books. I'm not saying I didn't, mm-hmm. but right now I'm I'm in this book and I don't remember if I had passages I liked or just things that happened. Right. My note on page 21 okay. is that I'd already developed reasons to relate to Will before this page. Okay. 
uh, being that he's an overly analytical empath who adopts too many dogs. But this chapter where he critiques the bougie elevator that then and then tolerates a juvenile and vulgar conversation had by two convention-going troglodytes in his hotel was the part where I realized I was being lulled into believing that I'm not just reading Will Graham, but that I am Will Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think I had that take on it, um, but it is a very take-notice-of-scene. And I've certainly had that listening to people and hating what they're talking about. It it felt like when I was reading it, it felt like I was actively, it was like I had realized I'd fallen into a trap. Okay. Because I realized that this author, whether, I guess I'd have to imagine it was intentional, but that Thomas Harris wants me to relate to Will Graham. Mm -hmm. That's important for the story, but because it's, how do I say this? If I get comfortable with Will Graham, the things that will eventually happen to him will bother me more. <laughs> yeah. And so knowing that, like, I'm already, it doesn't help that we, I, you know, I like the show, but like this portion and falling for him as a character and, and, and imprinting as hard as I feel like I'm, I am is only going to spell tragedy for my emotions later. And I know that because that's how stories go. Right. Not that I, I really don't know which part, what parts of the show that I watched or Silence of the Lambs are going to be in this book. Sure. And honestly, the Red Dragon stuff from the show is some of the stuff I remember the least. Sure. Because it Cause was like really, the last six episodes, I think. But it was also felt like really drawn out. Like in the same, some of the same stuff just keeps happening. Like, he Maybe. keeps having visions about being a dragon or, like, the painting and shit. Like, anyway. Uh, some of that does happen in this book, I think. I know, but it, we'll get, like, we'll in see. the show, it just it just keeps happening. Sure, sure, sure. So, sure. like, it, it's hard to remember what is what because, sure. like, I know that there's sequences where he stretches his neck and becomes the dragon. Shit like that. And, like, it happens a lot in the, in sure. the show. So, anyway. Uh, I'm uh, just taking notice that, like, I am relating very significantly to will graham that's the that's the tidy bow on that note i um i really enjoy and some of it is foreknowledge i know that but i, I enjoy that and, and the chapter never says this it's just my own interpretation of it but the killer basically is a basic a faceless shape when you start the chapter and it's fun to watch will describe him to us sort of, you know, by looking at the scene and going, oh, it must be this and it must equal this. And slowly he comes into view before you even meet him. It's 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 really fascinating. I did pick up on, and I don't know when this is in this. I didn't take a note on it, I don't think. Well, maybe I did, but I'll say it anyway. Speaking of how the how the killer comes into shape, mm -hmm. there's a moment where they're referencing Alan Bloom. Mm -hmm. And he mentions that the he, he somehow Alan knows or has a hunch that the killer is disfigured or believes himself to be disfigured in some manner. Mm -hmm. um, I do remember that. Yep. Very true. Very true. Uh, because it's also a time capsule book, I had to look up die gels. Will popped a couple of die gels, but basically Tums. Yeah. There's a lot of that, man. I'm telling you, this, 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 this book's a little anachronistic in its language. 
and it's it can be hard to read sometimes because of that like there's a handful of words that we'll get to or things that i didn't understand Fair enough. And i had i had to look like we're talking about the the dragon's blood where it's like mm-hmm. really and I'd <laughs> look it up and be like oh, i don't see anything but I, I know what they're talking about there are red fingerprint print powders so mm-hmm. ergo whatever it's fine even if it's not a real thing it doesn't matter it's part of his artistic license to say in this world red fingerprint powder is this brand anyway I liked uh, Will's random thought process where he's thinking of the drugstores, which made him think of the faces of the QP dolls staring at him, which made him think of the killer created an audience. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kind of like your trap thing. I don't think I had articulated it like that, but I feel like that. I'm like, oh, what well, that just happened. Holy crap. Yeah. That just I, that happened and I was caught up in it and now I'm here. And that was mm-hmm. so quick. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, um, and then another line I liked so much was the 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 very air had screams smeared on it. Yeah. I don't know if I like have ever felt the trap spring this fast mm-hmm. or so obviously after it has happened, like where I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Oh no, I'm, I'm like for the lack of a lack of a better term. It's like, I'm dead. Like that's it. I was, I wasn't prepared. I was too trusting. And here I am uh, about to meet a, a hideous end emotionally sure and it's sure gonna happen so uh yeah this air has screams on it it's good i think i'm done with that chapter well what's the next chapter rob well, that'll be chapter three does it have a fun name does it, have a it, it doesn't fun name? I, I, you know, as soon as it when i did have the first one i'm like oh, i bet that's the thing doug's gonna make me uh make oh no 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 just request just plead just beg uh desire no, come on. No, I'm not done with this. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's this big passage. But there's this this chapter has so much going on. Which chapter so, are you talking about? Chapter two still. I'm, I'm okay, back good, in two. Good, I'm good, going good. back Go to back two. Go back to two. I'm going back to two. It has so much. It's so different from the first chapter. Mm-hmm. The first chapter could basically, but for a few fun turns of phrases, be a chapter in any police procedural. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting the ball rolling. But cha- I mean, we're number chapter two. He, we're in it. And there's this huge passage where it said, Graham had a lot of trouble with taste. Often his thoughts were not tasty in the show. It ends, well, actually that paragraph goes on. The next paragraph starts with, he viewed his own mentality as grotesque but useful, like a chair made of antlers. Ah, yes. I'm like, God, just fuller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a long chapter and he does a lot in it, but it's very engaging. I would be interested to see if and when they talk about the Wendigo in this book. I don't is know that if a they thing? Do. No, that was a real big thing in the show. It was a it was a huge thing, but the stag. If we could talk about that for a second, the whole interesting thing about the show and that concept of the show's Hannibal is he hadn't yet been discovered, so he was a completely different beast than we've ever seen before. Right. And the Wendigo was, you know, Will subconscious trying to well, tell him. It was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was that change from when Will visualizes the monster he's hunting, he visualizes it as a stag. And it, the, the, I faceless... don't know if I agree with that. There's a lot oh, of is people. Is that not who, it? A lot of people who, even though they're very similar, the stag is supposed to, I've heard, a personification of Will. The Raven stag. The Raven stag. And it's different than the Wendigo. 
Although they're both, but it's it's always about the hunt, though. Like that's uh, like the I always felt that's my memory is that Will would be visited by the by the Ravenstag when he was at a crossroads in in and like about to about to find another element that would point him in the direction of the Wendigo. Sure, and they would. I feel like they would often be accompanied by one another or be close. And maybe I'm not remembering the show as well as I should, but. I'm remembering something I read about the show, so sure. I'm going to take your impression sure. over that. Um, but you're right. Like it, the, my now that you've mentioned it, yes, the the Raven Stag is much more a will thing, but it's like a it's like a totemic spirit. It's a thing that's right. guiding him in a way, as opposed to the Wendigo is Hannibal. It is a right. monster that's going to eat you if you get too close to it. That's in, in terms of I, I like to imagine, I guess is what I'm saying is that like, like kind of, or like kind of like you were saying that Will's method of discovering or, or sussing out these people, these murderers, these bad guys, uh, it, it always starts with the same way where there's basically an amorphous shadow mm-hmm. and then slowly it takes shape into the person it eventually becomes. And that's the process we're witnessing now. Uh, is him going through that that process of like kind of like a courtroom sketch artist or like mm-hmm. a like a police, I was, I was, I was thinking of a, of a sculptor taking right. away from the block of marble, but yeah, right. you know, eventually you take the pieces you have available, the evidence around you, and you build that person. Now, Will, unfortunately, is building a psychological profile, not a physical profile. So for him, it could, I mean, eventually it becomes a physical profile. Like you start to realize it's got to be a white guy, like at a certain point you're going to realize that mm-hmm. anyway the uh uh the, the i like that too i like i like that process of the of that being I, i'm assuming kind of a unique feature of this book is the shadowy figure of the murderer coming into view mm-hmm. slowly gradually it's cool it's well done okay so now can we move on to the chapter three with no name yes chapter three no name here's a summary it's a short one Most of this chapter is police procedural stuff, going over evidence in a briefing room with detectives. Jack's impatient with Will's ability and pushes him before they have much to go on. I think it's another interesting thing that happens in this chapter is you get that you get that feeling of Jack's impatience. Mm -hmm. Like Jack doesn't view Will as a person. Jack views Will as a tool. Yep. And when your tools don't perform, you get frustrated with them and you beat them because you don't understand why they're not working. And that's what's happening or what might what he's going to push him too far is what we know is going to happen. Of course. And um, it's not going to end well, but uh, it's fun to see it. The thing that's and that's what I was saying earlier. The thing that's kind of fun about the way that Thomas Harris is writing this right now are those subtleties, the subtleties of like there. I'm really impressed with him not spelling things out. He's showing and not telling. Mm-hmm. He's doing that thing where he's saying where, where Crawford's like you got anything or whatever Crawford says to push will to be like, Hey, you know, will uh, there's guys going to kill again, unless you miraculously, you do your thing. Will, and you just come up with who he is and where he was born and what's his social security number. But we need it. Will we need you to do that now? Will you did it before? Will, why can't you do it again? And he's not saying it like that extreme, but like it's there and you can read it and you can see it and it's palpable. Oh, also how he conveys the discomfort of what Will does. Yeah. Because Will doesn't just have to empathize. I mean, he has to empathize with the killer, but in such a, he has to imagine 
liking the horrible things. Yes. And that comes out when he's like, I'd want to touch her. And right. Jack gets all horrified. Like, what? And he's like, well, I mean, that's what he's thinking. And, and, and that that awkwardness right. of articulation, it, like, really shows what Will has to grapple with. And it's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also treacherous. And that's the thing, again, about this character that's so wonderful is that mm-hmm. the peril will is at is becoming the monster he hunts right it's it's staring into the void lest the void stares back it's um if i'm pretending to like it how long till i actually like it exactly exactly and and <laughs> and will's aware of it will knows right. it couldn't it could happen and and that's that i think that uh, character feature that is is the thing about the show that's so good Mm -hmm. one of the main things is that they were able to say no no that internal struggle is the whole show Mm -hmm. we're going to show you other stories we're going to talk to you and 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 do things with monsters and creepy stuff it's all gonna happen it's gonna each episode is gonna have its own little thing but the through line eventually will be clear at least it was to me that like and it's got to be fucking clear is that will is being tutored he's being apprenticed against uh, unbeknownst to himself right to become a mon to become that which he hunts and it is so fun to watch <laughs> and i i feel like it's it's hopefully going to be really fun to read and i'm uh i'm interested to see as it as it goes and i and, and that's eventually it'd be cool and i don't know when this would happen or if and when it would happen but it would be cool to eventually read a book where i haven't seen any other media about it and it wasn't like a fucking goosebumps book like sure but like the because i would wonder how much i would pick up on this stuff if i hadn't already read it or hadn't already seen it like the best i think and close we've gotten is basically ready player one Mm -hmm. because the book is just very different right in a lot of different ways um and i didn't really like it but uh, the ways it was different that is mm-hmm. but i wonder how much i would notice if i hadn't like seen the show so anyway that's the summary i i haven't i have a couple notes in this chapter but go ahead i uh, i don't think i have any other notes other than um pointing out a couple of characters that get introduced but what are your notes um page 27 uh i didn't remember the killer putting a piece of glass into the lady's labia. Mm. I mean, they're never going to show that. Yeah. And I, I feel like one of the two movies probably mentioned it. I don't remember if the show did, especially since they, I mean, technically the first murder we ever see will looking at is supposed to be this killer's murder. Mm-hmm. where we see how he does his process and the whole backwards reconstruction of things. And the pendulum. Um, the pendulum. That episode's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know if, the, I don't remember if the, if the network show touched on that. Yeah. It, but it's horrific. <laughs> it is, but it's also just like, it was surprising. And the, like, just sort of surprising. I do have one more note in that, uh, in that chapter. Okay. And it's just that I'm relieved that they found the dog. Yes. That the the the, 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 the leads the leads family dog was missing. It was found like I guess somebody found it or the 
the his, Mr. Leeds' brother had it or something. I think but the, the Leeds found it and took it to the vet and then were dispatched. So the dog ah. is at the vet's and now right. is now with the brother. Right. But yes, that dog is okay. Yep. Um, but also we so we 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 meet Jimmy Price in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Scott I Thompson. Who that is. Oh, Scott Thompson. Cool. Mm-hmm. Fingerprint. Uh, Alan Bloom. You said we already we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. We sort of made it from the show. Um, and Freddie Lowndes. Yeah, Freddie Lowndes, or yeah, Tattle Crime. Tattle Crime. The Tattler. The Tattler. Different Freddie um, though. Different Freddie. Different Alana Bloom. Um, way different. Like that's actually something I'm really fascinated about because that those relationships, mm-hmm. the relationship between Alana Bloom and Will Graham and and Hannibal, is is uh, interesting. It's very, uh, it's very complex mm. and intertwined, tangled, and it. Uh, I would be very interested to see how much of a character Alan Bloom is in this book, because my <laughs> well, expectation we'll is is that it. I have no idea, honestly. I kind of yeah. expect him not to be there at all, but like yeah. I don't know. Right. Um. So anyway, yeah. Okay. So thank you for helping me identify who those characters were. I don't know if the other guy. I, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. Don't know the actor. And I don't know if he's one of these other names mentioned. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I didn't have any other notes in that chapter. So what's the next chapter, Rob? Chapter four. Uh, summary. This chapter details the hard day of an electric meter reader whose recurring confrontations with the customer are getting to him. The customer alleges the power company is overcharging him and holds the meter reader accountable. But it seems like someone else, a third party, has been secretly reading the meter ahead of the meter reader. Hopefully you guys followed that, because I didn't take notes of the characters' names. Uh, Hoyt? (laughs) Hoyt something? Hoyt Lewis? Hoyt Lewis. Anyway, that's a a thing that happened. It's it's a small, little, self-contained chapter. Mm -hmm. I like like chapters that, or, or books that just take a little digression not, into the though. life of a supporting character it's not though it's not no of course it's not it's it's not just anything you're right it's not just uh that's but it is part. still a digression for a moment it's which still com- compels the story forward it does and, and that's the cool Probo. thing is like you see like there's there's at least two things that happen in this chapter one is we are alerted to the idea that some mysterious figure is also checking the meters mm-hmm. of this guy's house so therefore and if this guy doesn't know, the guy who owns the house doesn't know why his meters are so high, um, or his his electric bill is so high, it means that someone else is siphoning power from him, and using it for what we don't yet know. But we, as the readers, can suss together that this it's very likely that the same person who's siphoning the power is also reading the meter huh. ahead of ahead of the meter reader. So. There's got, and that this person, this house, is directly next door to the house of the leads. Is that correct? That's or, what I thought it was. I didn't think about the siphoning power. I thought he was just their case in the joint. That's what they were. Uh, I think that he's siphoning power for something, and I don't know exactly what. But he, but there's got to be a reason the power spikes. Um, and either he's taking the power for something, or he's doing something with it. Uh, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be so careless unless it was necessary, right? Like that's my thought. Maybe I, I again. I just thought it was the uh, the the crotchety old man doing something he shouldn't be doing and trying to get away with it. It's entirely possible that that is what it is, 
but I'm looking at it like Chekhov's gun. There's sure. a reason we're re- we're reading this. There's a reason we're here observing these things. It's not a random aside short story exercise. You know, this is absolutely part no, of the but, narrative. But that could still be covered by just the suspicious second meter reader who's in Yes, the it could. It could. But that's why I'm saying there's something else to it. Gotcha. It could be a red herring. It could be nothing. But it could also be um, sure, sure. a hint. Sure. Now, again, I don't know what he what he's doing. He could be. He could be doing something sim- as simple as he's uh, hooked up cameras mm-hmm. uh, in the neighborhood or in certain areas, and he needs a place to power them. So he's run uh, electricity out of an, an adjacent home uh, to power these surveillance devices so that he can secretly observe the, his victims and learn their behaviors on their patterns, hunt them, mm-hmm. like put up – these are like, you know, uh, what do you call them, blinds? Like or 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 trail cameras, mm-hmm. like he's he's trying to learn what's what his. I would guess that he's trying to learn what his prey is doing. Sure. Um. And and when and how is the best time to strike? Because you can't leave this kind of thing up to chance. You can't show up at the victim's house and take the risk that they won't be home. You're not right. a burglar. You're not there to steal from them. You're there to make them your plaything. You don't so, want a surprise dog in the middle of the night. You don't want that either. You also don't want you just don't want a lot of things. So, yeah. um, that's why I'm suspicious that, or I'm, I'm suspecting that it's related. That this behavior, this power outage, or power surge, sure, is related to something. Now, my guess again, I'm gonna be embarrassed if I'm wrong about this, but I don't think my logic is in, is is flawed that. 24-hour surveillance draws a lot of power. And if you are a person who is, like, having a problem of you're having a lot of power drawn, it's not from something that's a one-time thing. It's not somebody else didn't just plug in a TV for an hour. This is someone has has something running all the... Something and maybe many somethings running all the time. That's my guess. Anyway. Oh, we should also... Well, first of all, I want to say is one more thing happens in the chapter. The electricians decide they should call it in, which is yes, they do. Yes, uh, unique. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, I, I, I kind of feel like I might be like, eh, I don't want to bother anybody with this. No, but it's the vindictiveness you could relate to of being like, you know what? If I call the cops, this guy might have to actually deal with someone. That's true. And you, you could probably do that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but also, I think we we forgot to mention in the last chapter or the chapter before, uh, our murderer has been given a name now oh he has the tooth fairy the tooth fairy because he likes to bite yep more than most people and he also likes to he doesn't suck though that was a distinct distinctive note uh biting they they mentioned that the biters usually suck they have the the telltale hickey in the middle of the mouth part uh bite suggesting that the biting isn't sexual right his biting for his biting his biting is something more his biting is something different uh whereas the normal biter is a sexual thing right so yeah it's uh that's that's that is important it's it is a lot that's the thing i i don't think that this book as as big as it is so far i'm not getting a lot of feelings like there's a lot of fluff so far like i don't feel like there's uh a lot of stuff where i'm like why is this here i don't understand like so far i can see everything as being important and, and part of the design nicely done yeah it's it's just gonna happen. Yeah. 
I don't think I had anything else in that chapter, though. Um, so what's what's next, Rob? That'd be chapter five. So in chapter five, to uh, just read my summary here. <laughs> in in this chapter, Will goes back to the Leeds house and and sort of as as he's already sort of established how the murder took place. He is now going back to sort of learn who they are, who these people are. And in that way, maybe learn about their killer, maybe learn about why he would be after them or what, um, maybe what he sees in his victims. And then he has to get a little invasive. He does. He has to get, he has to get invasive and he does things like he reads, uh, Mrs. Leeds diary. Uh, he watches their home videos. He sits in, he, he touches too many things, but like, I'm sure that's just part of his process. I mean, it's all, it's also already been dusted at this point. It has, but like, there's almost never, it's never enough. Like there's all, there could always be that mm-hmm. one piece of evidence that is just hidden somewhere. No one chose to look. And if you disrupt it or remove it or alter it, then you've tampered with it. it might not be the legally correct word, but it has been altered sure. and therefore isn't necessarily like pure. Sure. So, I don't like that he sits in the guy's chair is what I'm saying. Like, I didn't okay. like that. He should have stood. That's not what he would have done. It's not not what he would have done, no. But Will doesn't go take a bite out of the cheese in the fridge either. Well, I meant Mr. Leeds, not Mr. Oh, Tooth okay. Fairy. So he's trying to relate to Mr. Leeds here is what you're saying. Yeah. Not not relate to the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, he, he does that. And, uh, and then he, I think he just goes back to the hotel and calls his wife. Mm-hmm. And they talk for a while, and then that's pretty much it. And he, he decides that since he's kind of hit a dead end, he's going to just go do work for the police department and see if he can do anything for them there. Canvassing and shit. I do have a note on uh, page 51. All right. And it's just that I really liked the diary page on page 51. There's a couple of diary pages. Which one was this? The one, the first one that's a full page. At least okay. for me, it's a full page. Uh, it's it's it really is like it's it's the whole page and then as soon as you either page on either either side starts with will doing something and then this mm-hmm. other page is just purely the diary and there's just little things i like about it like little ways that he writes this character of mrs leeds being or is it miss leeds mrs Ms. leeds mrs leeds as being a uh like intimate? that sort of yeah it's intimate but it's it's more than intimate it's also like it's it's fragile it's mm-hmm. vulnerable mm-hmm. she has it's not like she's just a person whose life is going perfectly there's these little little tells in the way that he writes her where you can see that she has concerns about her marriage mm-hmm. a little bit and she's at least that's how i read it and that she oh yeah she uh that she has to be reminded that she loves her husband Things not not like to paint her as some sort of like unloving, cold-hearted villain, but there's it's part of this page is that she talks about like that feeling of that reawakening or that realization or that reminder physically has a has a reaction to it. it feels like something breaking inside of her and then flooding with warm. I think is basically sure. what she says, and all these other things and and the reawakening, the re the reinvigorating of their of their love uh, is there, and that's. It's a it's an interesting thing to read because it is it's very vulnerable. It's a mm-hmm. vulnerable perspective to share. It's a vulnerable perspective to have. Um, I liked I liked it. It was it was nice. Uh, amidst that, there is another part that I really liked that completely validates your observation 
of how much information he conveys without spelling it out for you. Yeah. And that was Will's... Um, this is just after Mrs. Leeds writes about how she flirted with her husband. Once his prick. She's a little bit crude. Goes on to say, The bald spot on the back of his head turned red. He was always afraid the children will hear. Men have no confidence in whispers. Cut back to Will. The page was flecked with detective cigar ash. Yeah. Someone was sitting there reading it like it was uh, their own personal dirty book. And I'm like, oh, it's it's great. And it, blah. I, 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 I enjoyed that. To be, to be clear for the listener, you should read the sentence before his bald spot turns red so that I'm absolved from, from perversion. <clears throat> he asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I cupped my hands around his ear and whispered, You're big prick, silly. In, as far as it will go. Thank you. I just wanted that little bit of absolution because I'm not I... just a vulgar, you know, child-minded uh, debutante. <laughs> Sometimes I just was quoting someone. Hey. Yeah. Um, that's what we read. I don't. I don't have any other notes. Did we? Do you have any other notes? I. On chapter five. Yeah. Or, or yeah, in the whole thing. Invading the intimate intimate moments of the leads. Um, oh, I, well, you know what? I really liked Will and Molly's silly conversation. They're back and forth skating around the things they're not quite talking about until it turns and he snaps and things get a little sour. And I mean, I, I didn't like it. I liked it as their character moment. It was a yeah. really great depiction of their relationship and how they're both still trying to be aware of each other's boundaries. I would like to make a note about Thomas Harris's writing style, though. So, like, when you're writing uh, characters and you want to make them realistic, it's all it's important to use like regional dialects and uh, uh, common vernacular. Mm-hmm. You want to make them conversational. You want to make them relatable. But I feel this. There's this feeling I get about the way he does it, which is that there's he he uses a lot of vulgarity mm-hmm. and a lot of like sexual innuendo and or, or just sexual terminology and it there is something phony a feeling about it okay i don't know how to how else to say it it's it's like an attempt at realism that instead feels like what someone thinks is real could it be though molly using vulgarity to try to attempt to pretend everything's normal it's not just her though uh, and it could be but it's not just her like molly says uh it, it's the mix it's mrs leeds i want your big prick in as far as it will go right. it's molly saying i'm horny are you horny can i be horny can i think about you that's fine it's it, it's not like it's not something i could imagine a couple doing right it's the it's the it feels like every chapter has it every chapter has just this little thing that's just shoved in there like the conversation in the elevator where it just feels like I I'm not saying that it's bad mm-hmm. or that, that I think it shouldn't be there. I'm saying for me, it isn't necessarily succeeding at painting a picture of the world that I guess I want to read. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying it's not the world that we live in. It definitely is like, think about how many vulgar conversations you have or you've heard or comments you've overheard 
it's the world is full of them the world is right. teeming with vulgarity but i think that there's something about the, the way it's written here that feels uh artificial and that's the thing that that is that for me is notable it's interesting it's a it's 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 rough it has mm-hmm. a it has a it, it claws at me these 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 feelings and i don't uh, maybe it's me i can i'm open to that obviously but it it's something that i've noticed and i might have a hard time not noticing it as we go i think i see i've always thought of it as kind of a device to illustrate will is x kind of person jack's x kind of person but they do have to deal with this um, really sordid, you know, events. And when Thomas Harris does that, he's reminding you that this world does still exist. Hmm. This cruder and vulgar world. But I see what you're saying. And, but, and well, I'm, yeah. And I'm talking about things like in reference to the electricians talking about Miss Leeds being naked or being like sunbathing sure, or, or feelings like that. And it's just like, I know it's I know it's real. I know that that stuff exists. I know that people speak like that. It just feels it's a thing about fiction. Like there's got to be a reason you're including it. Mm-hmm. And the the reason I've come up with is is a, it's an attempt at realism, which it may be successful at doing. It's just god, it just claws at me. Sure. Like this feeling of just like it doesn't feel right. You know what it might be? It could be a it could be a deeply <laughs> like sub-layered seeding of the idea of me <laughs> well okay this is definitely not it but i'm gonna say it anyway okay you know how i was saying that thing about how i fell into the trap for will mm-hmm. i think i'm falling into the same trap now about hannibal because i think it's just it's just not the case but it, i just have to say it um okay. that thomas harris is making a point of making all these very rude people mm. and he's showing us all these really rude people and I, th- and I think he's wants us, he wants Will to detest these rude people. He puts Will in the elevator. He sees the rudeness and the crudeness of those people. He puts us with the electricians. We hear their crudeness. We see other things. Now, the relationship between a husband and wife is not included in that. Right. It's the ogling of women. It's the, it's the objectification that's happening with these other situations that is the rudeness. And if I, as a reader, can not note or can notice that I have a distaste, very specific word, distaste for this behavior, then I instantly become empathetic with other people who also have a similar distaste for rudeness. Sure. I will suggest, though, that that I, I don't remember that may not exist as structured as we've been introduced to it it might just be thomas harris himself detests rudeness it could be it could it could be but i'm like i said it's very it's it's it, it's very likely not the situation that we're actually in mm-hmm. but i've noticed a pattern and i've i'll i'll still submit that i think that it's it's subtext if it's not it, 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 it's it's happy it's it's a serendipitous subtext if it's not deliberate gotcha okay so uh i don't have any more notes i have no more notes um next time we will read through chapter 11 so next episode read chapter 6 through 11 
Um, and we should do a new word alert. Ready? Yep. All. All. Um. 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 All. I think that's dolphin for more tuna, please. Um. I don't know what that is. It's a English word, Rob. You gotta be. You, you gotta play the game. Can you spell it for me? Yeah. Um. Sound it out. Sound it out. Ohm is a measure of electrical wavelength, I think. Oh, no. It's so far off. Yeah, I don't know the word. (laughs) The word is owl. 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 Yeah, it's a a tool, like a a leather punch. It is exactly a leather punch. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh... The dog was possibly stabbed with. Exactly what the dog was possibly stabbed with. It was a word I had to look up. I was like, well, I better look it up. All. Great word, all. All right, next one. Peptic. Peptic. Something that happens to ulcers. Is it when they rupture? Maybe? It just, the definition just says relating to or promoting digestion. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a there, there's a it's in this book. There's a they they refer to a having a a peptic silence, I think, or something like that. And the idea is they're just eating. <laughs> it's like shut up, Thomas Harris. Don't use your words like that. <laughs> All right, the last one is not a word that the dictionary has, but it's a word I had to look up. Uh, it's the term Peterbelly. When they were discussing naked Mrs. Leeds or swimsuit Mrs. Leeds, right? What is yeah. Peterbelly? Because I came very close to looking it up. Peterbelly. <laughs> Do it again. Peterbelly. <laughs> so it's upsetting is what the answer is. The, oh. the definition is it's one of those anachronistic terminology things that I'd never heard before. I'd never heard of it. And and it's anyway, it's uh, it says the definitions online say. The part of a woman's abdomen that pooches out over her vaginal area after middle age or after she's experienced childbirth. See also vagomach or vagomac. Uh, second definition, the name given to the protruding pouch on a woman who has taken too much Peter in her life. A paunch, a jelly roll, a pooch, or a slut gut is what the internet says it's also referred to as. I've heard other terms. That I won't submit. I mean, you came for Red Dragon. It's how the book reads. It's I. I'm not going to slight you. Yeah. Slut God. <laughs> Why did you do that? No, for shame. Now I'm going to shame you. This is just Red Dragon. We came for Red Dragon. Uh, this is the book. This is how it's written. Slut God. <laughs> Put your phone down. We've turned into a morning zoo. <laughs> yeah, I think some of us have turned into a morning zoo. I have a new word as well. Oh, yeah? Yes. Bullshit. Is it... God. What? The other one is... It's so vulgar. 
this is Thomas Harris's fault. That's what I want to say is that all of this come. It's an avalanche stemmed by him putting the word Peter belly in his book. Uh, we can't be held responsible for the actions that come after. So, you know, just, just remember that when you're, when you're reviewing this podcast on Apple podcasts, Gunt. the word is gunt. Let's just leave it at that. It can remain a mystery. I think you can figure it out. <laughs> what, what it might be a, a portmanteau of, if you if kids <laughs> i feel like you'll be able it's to not figure a two-headed it out monster from sesame street putting words together think if you just put your mind to it you'll figure out what this word is means <laughs> okay i can i'll stop we'll leave the peter belly where it lies uh and we can move on to your new word okay here's my new word styptic styptic Styptic. Styptic. Is it like a? Uh, is it like a, a, a drawing of some kind? No, that's not bad. Um, for context, it was, I believe, in the first chapter, a look Molly gave to Jack. When he when he talked about how he went and met Molly at the whatever, and and he, she, Molly told him Will would be at the house, and then she gave him a look. But maybe that's not where it was. It could it could easily have been where it was. How do you spell it? S T Y P T I C. I have a find feature. My definition is odd. Uh, okay. What what does your definition say? Because mine doesn't make sense. You weren't supposed to look it up. Well, I didn't know what it was. I thought I was surrendered already. I made a guess. Can't okay. Not look it up after I make a guess. Her single styptic blink told him he should have said something better. Oh no! So it was Will talking to Molly, but it was still about Jack. Uh, of a substance capable of causing bleeding to stop when it is applied to a wound. Ah, uh, see, that makes more sense. My, my definition just says tending to contract or bind, astringent, especially tending to check bleeding. So I Your think definition it's his, is much better. A, his roundabout way of saying he had hurt her feelings, and he it, didn't say the right thing to to to, to mend her wounds. Well, her like, but wounds. the look the look caused maybe the blood to drain from his face, mm. or it was very like you said astringent. It was severe somehow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well. Uh. Yeah. So far, I'm enjoying it. It is going to be a very long read, uh, but I think that the the way we're going to break up these chapters is going to be manageable hopefully out of curiosity where did uh chapter five end page number wise for you page number wise for me chapter five ends on page 58 so that's technically over 60 pages that we read because the forward to a fatal interview is five pages gotcha so i'm trying to keep us around 60 because it's just like kind of the perfect number for our lives and reading and etc so like i said it's gonna take a while because this book's 400 pages long um 450 but we'll get there do you have anything else you want to say not right now all right maybe we'll we'll meet some new characters in the next set of chapters yeah uh hopefully well uh i got nothing else so that i guess that was death readers i'm doug i'm rob thanks for listening thank you
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Um, I actually really like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think my daughter will love it too. <laughs> Is that yours? That no, no, I found design? it on. I found mm. it somewhere else. It's my own design. Clever. Um, oh. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, it's not. But uh, I heard it today, and I was like, I could send this to Rob, <laughs> or I could tell it to Rob on our Harry Potter titled podcast. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> just a split second as you were saying that I'm like, oh, maybe we should change our name for this. We, we could change it to Death Eaters. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, it's been done. <laughs> it's yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. W- would be yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading Red Dragon from the forward to a fatal interview through chapter five before listening to this episode. That way you two can follow along. What? You need me? You need me? Red Dragon by? I I have to say that. I have to say. Yeah. Do I? What would LeVar Burton do? Uh, He wouldn't take my word for it. No, he wouldn't. Where's this going? Where's this chunk of interruption going? It's at the end, of course. Well, then I'll just restart. And it'll be no, just fun. pick back up. And then because I, I always like the interruptions where I interrupt and that makes it longer. You do that like goes that. At the end. You do. And then like I cut that. it down and put that in the show. And so people don't know there was an interruption there because of my sweet editing skills. It would be a miracle if those sweet editing skills could happen up here. But then we don't have. I'm I'm <laughs> manufacturing content. Are you or are you yes. like? Are you like? Re, per, are you resisting content? Are you like? I I you're like a content a medium. dam, and what? there's all this content behind you that's yeah. ready. It's ready to be content, but you're standing in front of it, being like, no, no, only a little bit of content today, boys. Only a little bit of content, and and uh, and. Uh, intellectual erosion today <laughs> I'm hoarding all the content <laughs> okay I'm gonna restart oh and it's fine. gonna be fine it's gonna be fine no right. one will notice and they'll be like why am I still listening after the show was over this <laughs> this content is is sort of just uh superfluous it's it's not superfluous ramble it's a little I'm glad they cut it. I don't know why I'm still hearing it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, hey, listener. <coughs> Sorry about that. Here we go. Let's move on to chapter five. Four? Sorry. Four. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you take me there? Because I was confused. I'll take you there. Yeah. Um, so what's the next chapter, Rob? <laughs> it's been like is it chapter years. four? We always, 
when that brings us to, and then I say what it is. <laughs> right, but it like, is. fine, it's fine, right. it's fine. Chapter four. <laughs>